0: All right, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 21, the book of Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at five verses for our text this morning. There will obviously be some other supporting verses, but Revelation 21, uh, one through five. When I read them, I'll be reading from uh, the New Living Translation. Uh, Follow along in whatever translation you have. Uh, at the Welcome Center, we do have Bibles. If you need one this morning, would love to bless you with one. Uh, those are, I believe, New Living Translation, but Revelation 21, 1 through 5. All right, so so people are obsessed with the future. In 1895, H.G. Wells wrote a book called The Time Machine. How many of you have ever heard of that book, The Time Machine? And so in that book, a scientist builds a machine that travels far far into the future and then returns to tell his astonished friends what the world would be like in 800,000 years. And yet what most people fail to realize is we don't need a time machine to travel through time. The truth is you and I, we're all time travelers. In fact, right now we are traveling towards the future at a rate of one second per one second and there's nothing that you and I can do to stop ourselves from time travel. Some of us try to stop it, slow it down, do whatever, but you can't stop it. At the end of our journey through time is a destination called eternity. You see, everything in the Bible points to eternity. Everything within the Bible cries out for it. Ecclesiastes 3.11, uh, Solomon said that God has planted eternity in the human heart. And so God d- designed us to live in eternity, and his work with us is not finished in this very short life. But the Bible also teaches that there are two eternal destinations, heaven and hell. In Matthew 25 46, Jesus says that some will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The central message of the Bible of relating to eternity is that you and I, yes, you and I this morning, today in this life, we will choose where we're going to spend eternity and so let me clarify something if you're mixed up a little bit this morning god does not send you to heaven god does not send you to hell you choose i choose for the next few weeks we're going to be doing a series called eternity your forever home eternity uh, your forever home but listen before we start i want to i want to pray Ask God to prepare our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you again, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. We thank you, God, that you are still speaking to your people uh, through your word. I know that, uh, Lord, this subject might be a little bit intimidating for some, but I pray, Lord, that you would calm their hearts uh, and that you would help us, Lord, to receive your word. Uh, with understanding, with wisdom, with knowledge, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning and help us to prepare for our forever home. Help us to prepare for eternity and to do so, if we haven't yet, to do so today. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. So listen, a Sunday school teacher just finished a lesson all about heaven. And asked her students, how many of you this morning, how many of you would like to go to heaven? Of course, everyone in the class raised their little hands, except for one little boy named William. And so she was wondering, she, he hadn't raised his hands. And so she asked him, don't you want to go to heaven someday, William? Don't you, I'm talking about heaven here. And, and suddenly lighting up, the boy said, oh, oh, yes, ma'am, someday. I just thought you were taking a load up right now. <laughs> Listen, I, I think we, we all want to go to heaven someday. Every once in a while, I'll meet someone who uh, will maybe say that they don't, that, or say they don't believe in it, or, or say that it doesn't matter. But for the most part, we all want to go to heaven. I, I mean, most of us are very curious what it's going to be like up there. In fact, someone once uh, posed the question, what is heaven like to uh, another group of Sunday school students? And, and Scott, uh, at age eight, he replied, heaven is up in the sky and you can look down at circuses for free if you want to, except you have to ask God permission first. David, age seven, said, heaven is kind of big and they sit around playing harps all day long. I don't know how to play a harp but I guess I should learn to play that dumb old thing. In one of uh, the Far Side cartoons, Gary Larson depicts a, a winged man seated in heaven on a cloud. No one near, nothing to do, marooned on his celestial post. The caption witnesses his despair with him saying, man, I wish I'd brought a magazine. Listen, For some of us, maybe that's how we imagine heaven being, clouds in our midst, harps on our laps, time on our hands, so much unending time, a nonstop sing-along, a hymn, then a chorus, then still more and more verses. Is that really all that awaits us in the afterlife? According to a Gallup poll conducted from uh, U.S. News and World Report, as many as 81% of Americans believe that heaven actually exists, and as many as 78% believe they have a good or excellent chance of getting in. But few know what to expect when they get there. I think the success of books about near-death experiences such as Heaven is for Real and 90 Minutes in Heaven reveal a deep longing to know what lies beyond heaven's door. But instead of relying on ideas from others, we should really look to the scripture, amen? One of the most vivid, expressive descriptions of heaven is found in Revelation 21, and so I want us to go there right now. Beginning at verse 1, the Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven, and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband." And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself, say himself, God himself will be with them. He will wipe, I love this part, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying and and no more pain. Anybody looking forward to that? Amen. It goes on to say all these things are gone for how long? For a minute? Forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Eternity, your forever home. Listen, as with the rest of of Revelation, this passage is loaded with with fantasy and imagery and symbolism, but I really believe that the picture paints for us a, a glimpse of heaven's glory, and it highlights at least three important features that is going to make heaven awesome. And so the first thing, if you're writing notes this morning, the first thing that this passage reminds us of is the fact that heaven is real. Say, heaven is real. Heaven is real. You might wonder why we even start there uh, because, listen, if we don't start there, that's the foundation. Again, I said there are people out there that, that don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in hell. They don't believe that there's an actual place. They, they might even say, well, next week we're going to talk about hell. But they might even say that, that hell is, is here now on earth. And I am saying, no, there's a real place. And just as there's a real hell, uh, there is a real heaven. And that foundation is important because if there is no heaven, there is no hope. If there is no heaven, then Jesus Christ was a liar. If there is no heaven, then who was he telling the the other man on the cross next to him? uh, Just on this day, uh, I will prepare a place for you so that you can be where I am in my Father's house, right? Heaven is real. I know in the movies, sometimes they give us this image of, of clouds and, and spirits or ghosts and, and magical fairy dust. Just that phrase alone freaks me out. It sounds too much like glitter, um, the, the fairy dust thing. But listen, heaven will be real. Heaven is real. It's going to be as real as cities and and states and towns and villages. Heaven will be as real as our homes. Heaven is going to be as real as your yard. Heaven is going to be as real as the beach or the lake. Heaven is going to be as real as the mountains. And and so we're going to be able to touch it. We're going to be able to feel it. We're going to be able to walk there. We're going to be able to experience a very real place, not a a magical figment of your imagination, but a real destination. And I like to say you don't want to miss it. Amen? You want to be there. That's a place you want to go to. See, when when Christ comes, the present and familiar heavens and earth will disappear. But that's not the end of the story. Listen, I'm glad that the pollution is going to be gone. I'm glad that what we see here that is so broken, and is so messed up, it's just not going to be here anymore. We have something to look forward to because heaven is real. But God said it himself in verse 5, look, I am making everything new. Say everything. I am making everything new. And so we know that the Lord God is is going to purge. He is going to cleanse. He is going to reconstruct his entire world perfectly. Now, listen, centuries before John's vision in the book of Revelation, God had told Isaiah in Isaiah 65, 17, and 18, he said, Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one, listen, I love this phrase, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad. Rejoice forever in my creation. Listen, when God creates something, he creates it perfectly and good and awesome. And listen, when he first created this world, it was good and perfect and awesome. And guess what? We messed it up. And some of you are like, well, Adam did. But no, we messed it up. Humanity messed it up. And so God's gonna gonna get a do-over. God's going to get a do-over, and you and I are going to benefit from it. We're not even going to remember the old ones anymore. See, John's awesome and real description of the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending from heaven to earth, it symbolizes the merging of two realms. I know it's hard for us to even fathom that, the bringing down of heaven down to earth. So at that time, heaven and earth will be joined perfectly, say perfectly, They will be joined perfectly together and just as God and man will be forever united in Jesus Christ, so heaven and earth will be united forever in this new universe. God's plan is to abolish the gulf or the distance between the spiritual and the physical natural world. There will be no divided loyalties. There will be no divided realms. There will be one cosmos, one universe united under one Lord forever and ever and ever and it will be very real. Heaven is real. The apostle John describes this new heaven as a place that will have rivers and trees and cities and buildings, it blows my mind. Think about it. I, I'm not talking about what we have here. I'm talking about another level. I'm talking about something that we, we, we can't even, I mean, we, we, we can only look at it from our perspective and from what we know, but again, cities and buildings and gates and streets and mountains and houses, all those things will be in our new heaven. It will be a place of sensory delight and breathtaking beauty, but nothing comes pairs with God's crowning jewel the New Jerusalem see Christ will descend in a in a city unlike any that earth has ever seen with shimmering spires jewel encrusted buildings and streets of purest gold I, I know some of you we're, we're a little old and so we, we we look at that we read scripture and we're like oh yeah streets of gold and all these jewels and all these uh, listen let a child read that for the first time and watch their imagination just kind of roll in their heads and really that should be us we kind of look at it we're, we're, we're desensitized by hollywood uh we're desensitized by what we think it's gonna be it is going to blow our minds when we see that we have a real heaven that god has created that is going to be more awesome than anything we could imagine again great symbolism great descriptions but you better believe that our God the creator of the universe will show us beautiful things we've never seen or touched before it's listen it's not just beautiful though it's it's big it's big. If you read the scripture, there's lots of description there. Scripture reveals that there are jaw-dropping dimensions when it comes to to that heaven. It's about 1400 miles in in length and, and 1400 miles in width. And so it's large enough to contain the last uh, landmass from the Appalachians all the way to the California coast, from Canada uh, down to Mexico. And so we know that it's going to be about 40 times the size of England, uh, 10 times the size of France, a uh, larger than present-day India, and that's just the ground floor. It's also, and we can't imagine this, it's also about 1,400 miles tall, which means that it's going to go well beyond Earth's present atmosphere all the way up into space. I told you it's going to blow our minds. It's going to blow, we, it's... The point is Jesus is preparing a real place in heaven for us and that place, I like to say it like this, that place has tons of space, room for all God's people so let's bring some people with us. What an incredible sight that will be. See years ago a beautiful baby girl was born to a Christian couple and after several weeks uh, her parents noticed that she seemed to be having trouble with her vision. They scheduled a, an appointment with an eye doctor and, and the doctor told them, your daughter Mary is rapidly losing her sight. We know that she will likely be completely blind before her first birthday, uh, but it's possible that when she gets to be 12 years old, that an operation could be done to restore her sight at that time. And so for 12 years, Mary learned to live in darkness. Darkness. She and her parents adapted quite well, and together they overcame Mary's many obstacles. Still, they anxiously awaited that day in the future when Mary's eyes would be opened once again through this operation, and finally that day arrived. Mary's family, they traveled to a hospital where the corrective surgery was performed, Mary's bandages were eventually removed just as the sun was setting behind the majestic peaks outside her, her window. It was against that backdrop that she saw her parents for the first time and with tears running down her cheeks, she said, Mom, why didn't you tell me the world was so beautiful? And Mom, you are so Beautiful. Mary's mom gathered her in her arms and said, I, I tried to tell you, but I couldn't do it justice with my words. Words fall short, don't they? I think that applies to John's description of heaven in revelation, regardless of what it actually looks like. It will be heaven on earth in the most literal sense. And with our Savior present, I hope that you'll want to make heaven your forever home that brings us to the second characteristic this morning again very basic it's the second characteristic highlighted in John's vision heaven will not only be a real destination but heaven will be righteous say righteous heaven is righteous and some of you are like well yeah God is there yeah The apostle John describes the new Jerusalem as the holy city coming down from God, and heaven will will be just that, holy, and so heaven will be good, and heaven will be perfect. 2 Peter 3 and verse 13, Peter says, But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so heaven will, will definitely be the, the home to all that is good and right. And as Christians, we look forward to a day when all of creation, every square inch is flooded with the love and the peace and the joy of Jesus Christ. In fact, the coming of Christ will herald the total abolition of sin. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more sorrow. Again, in in heaven, heaven is righteous. Verse four again, Uh, John witnesses the melding of heaven and earth and he literally hears a loud voice cry out. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone for how long? forever think about it one of the one of the greatest blessings don't miss this one of the greatest blessings of heaven is what won't be there what are you talking about pastor freddie no death no disease no divorce No trials, no tribulation, no turmoil, no funeral homes, no abortion clinics, no psychiatric wards, no rape, no missing children, no drug rehabs, no bigotry, no muggings, no more killings. See, without the presence of evil, the new heaven and the new earth will be like nothing you and I have ever experienced. Like, listen, in this world, bad moods infect the best of families. Complaints, they they shadow the clearest of days. Bad apples spoil the bunch of us. But thank God, rotten fruit doesn't qualify for the produce section in heaven. All because heaven is righteous. And since since heaven is the home of righteousness and and you're living there, that means that you and I are going to experience complete righteousness too. Why do I say that? Because now it's like we have it provisionally, right? Jesus has died on the cross, and he has provided for you and I a righteousness that we could not earn, that we could not pay for, that we could not, you know, do in our own selves. He has imputed righteousness unto us, but there is coming a day because heaven heaven is righteous and heaven is real, that that commitment to to that righteousness, that experience of total righteousness is going to be yours. It is going to be mine. You're gonna love the result. See, no one is ever gonna doubt your word again. No one is ever gonna question your motives. No one ever is gonna speak evil behind your back. I mean, you'll still be you, but a, a better version of you. Like the you you've always longed to be, but completed in Christ. All because heaven is a perfect place for a, perf- for a perfect people made perfect by a perfect Jesus Christ. And one thing is for sure, again, you will love it. Heaven is righteous. You'll never be weary again. You won't be Selfish. You won't be defeated. You'll have a clear mind. You'll have muscles that won't tire and you will have unhindered joy. That brings us to the last trait of heaven that John's revelation vision highlights. You might as well, this is just words that I'm speaking this morning. Heaven is relational. Heaven is relational. Relational. In other words, eternal life will be heavenly because of who we spent it with. Revelation 21, verse 3, again, from the throne of God, John heard a a a divine voice proclaim, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself, say himself, God himself will be with them. The very best part of heaven will be getting to know God in deeper and deeper ways. What we have, what we have only seen in our thoughts, we will see with our eyes. What we've struggled, what you and I have struggled to imagine, we're going to be free to behold. What we have seen in a glimpse, we will see in full view Imagine finally beginning to understand how God is one nature and three in person. Imagine exploring the depth of God's love, his wisdom, his holiness. Imagine forever growing in our capacities to fathom his immensity and his His immutability. He never changes in other words And, and we only understand that in part but one day we're gonna understand it fully because of that relationship that we have with the eternal God, our creator, our savior, our God. top it all off the more we come to know him the more there will be to know and so God's endless attributes they await us listen his grace will increasingly blow our minds his wisdom will progressively astound us his perfection will sharpen into focus all because heaven is relational See, we, we serve a God so overflowing with wonders that their viewing requires an eternity. He's so full of miracles that we need eternity to take him all in. Worship team, come. He's so full of goodness. He's so full of mercy. He's so full of grace. Uh, God is amazing. He has created eternity for us to be our forever home. Uh, it, It is relational. Heaven is relational. And so we need to be in relationship with Him. We need to walk with Him. Now, listen. We serve a God whose beauty enhances with proximity. Let me say that again so you don't We serve a God whose beauty uh, enhances with proximity. In other words, how close to you are you? How close to God are you? How close? Cuz see, we can experience some of that here and now, right? We can. Never again will God feel distant. His home, God's home, will literally be our home. In Christ, heaven will be our eternal address. Isn't that what Jesus promised before he left, right? If you look in the book of John, John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my Father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I am going to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. In other words, anywhere with Jesus will be home sweet home. I don't know if any of you have uh, read or watched the Chronicles of Narnia books or movies. And the characters who, who lived in Narnia had, had completed their time and work there. and In, in a closing chapter, Aslan, the, the lion who represents Jesus, not my dog, by the way, uh, but that's where we got the name. Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus, has come for them in order to take them home. And so right now they are headed away from Narnia and are about to enter Aslan's land. And when they do, they are met with a familiar scene. And so one of the characters actually cries out, I have come home at last. This is my country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life that I never knew and I never knew it until now the reason why we love the old Narnia they said is that sometimes it looked a little like this I have a sneaky suspicion that followers of Christ will feel the same way one day when Christ welcomes us to our forever home in heaven it's going gonna, it's gonna to maybe remind us of, of times of prayer, of times of worship, of times of intimacy when we felt the presence of God, when God was moving powerfully and we enter into heaven and it's going to be that on steroids. That in full. I don't know if Don Piper, he wrote a book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. I don't know if Don Piper actually spent 90 minutes in heaven. He wrote the book and that's his story. But when it comes to scripture, we can be certain. We can rely on God's word to reveal to us what we could never know in any other way. That heaven is real. It's not just a figment of your imagination. That heaven is the home of righteousness with a holy God and holy people. And yes, heaven is relational, a place filled with real people enjoying the love and the fellowship of a real, righteous, and relational God. Why don't we stand this morning as we close? The reason I said that the third point, heaven being relational, is the most important, and some of you know where I'm headed with this already is that again we choose on this side of eternity where we're going to spend it. We you and I, we have a, a birth date and we have an expiration date. Only God knows what what time that is. And so I don't know when your expiration date is. I don't know when your last hour or your last day or your last week on earth is. If the Lord tarries, it could be years from now. If he doesn't, it could be tomorrow. But if heaven is relational, and it is, you and I need to make sure that we're walking in relationship to the God of heaven. Do you hear me this morning? You have to walk in relationship with him. You have to be in communion with him. And some of us, uh, maybe we're, we're not all the way there. Maybe we know religion and we know church and we, we know going through the motion. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't have a true, a real, a vibrant and intimate relationship with the God of heaven, today is your day. Today is your day. We surrender all to Jesus. We surrender our sins. We surrender our hangups. We surrender our baggage. And we say, Jesus, save us. Save me. Save me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. The sins that beset us. The sins that cause there to be a rift between us. The sins that prevent me from drawing closer. God, forgive me. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. Help me, Jesus, to walk in relationship with you. I encourage you to do that. Pray that prayer in your own way, but connect with him, amen? Allow him to come in and change your life forever and ever. Let heaven be your forever home in that way, amen? Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your people. Continue to reveal your word to us as we close in worship. I pray, God, that if we have a commitment to make, that we would make it. I pray that we would not wait another second, another day, another hour. Jesus, I need you. We need you. Be my Savior. Be my God. Forgive me of my sin. Lord, forgive my, my, just the way that I've gone away from you. Forgive the way that I've allowed my relationship to get cold with you. Forgive, God, that I've put other things in your place. Forgive us. Forgive me. And Lord, draw me back to you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Lord, cleanse my mind. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my lips. Hallelujah. Help me to walk in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's close in worship.